in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them touching suckers like the f***ing players. Nikola Jokic was named MVP of the NBA after getting neutralized by DeAndre Ayton in game one. But more importantly, Adam, were you the fan vote that voted for Derrick Rose and gave Derrick Rose a first place vote? I feel like I need to defend myself for a moment here. So Was it you? Uh, here's the thing. I... I mailed it back in 2015. Um, I actually just got there. It's my fault. I, I, I really I got to put appropriate postage on these things. How? Okay. You're a Knicks fan. I could understand the idea of a New York Nick getting like the fan vote because, oh, they're back and, oh, their fan base is big and they took over some online poll. But why would it have been Derek Rose? Wouldn't he be like the third or fourth choice among Knicks players to get that vote? You mean a guy they traded for mid-season who didn't start for most of the year? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it what? would seem that would be more appropriate that maybe Julius Randle would have <laughs> been the guy that uh, ended up out there in the fan vote. Yeah, that would have made a little more sense than Derrick Rose. Like, it is a great troll, though, really, because there is someone out there who believes this. What, that Derrick Rose was the MVP? Yes. Was it you? Absolutely not. Come on. <laughs> Even I have limits when it comes to being a Knicks fan. This season got me excited. But think about it this way, Tyler. When they got to the point where they had a winning record, fans were dancing outside the garden. <laughs> when they made the playoffs, it looked like they were about to flip cars over in Manhattan. So would it be beyond a Knicks fan to say, you know what? I'm celebrating. You know how I'm celebrating? I don't know. Not Randall Barrett. No, Derek Rose. Yes. He turned our season around the moment he got here. Next question. So some Aaron Rodgers news. Um, Devontae Adams is at uh, practice for the Packers this week. Aaron Rodgers is not. But James Jones was on with Colin Cowherd this morning, and he said, I've talked to Aaron. He's told me it's not about the general manager. He's willing to go in there and make this thing right. Do you believe James Jones talking about Aaron Rodgers? You know what I love? That you have to ask me that question because this is how Aaron Rodgers yes, has handled the yes. whole thing. Aaron Rodgers has just masterfully worked everyone against everyone just to watch the chaos. He knows that he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And so Aaron Rodgers talks a little bit to this guy, talks a little bit to that guy, goes on with Kenny Mayne and says some things, goes on Pat McAfee and says some things, and just keeps everyone guessing for a while. So do I believe James Jones? I don't know if I believe James Jones. I don't care. I just am enjoying Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> puppet master more than anything I thought I could enjoy in the NFL offseason. Who who was his other former teammate? Um, oh, the, John Kuhn, the fullback. He, he gave an interview back in like a, a month or two ago where he said something similar about how he this is fixable and all that so okay do we believe that Aaron Rodgers is talking to James Jones is talking to John Kuhn and being like all right go say this go find a way on to like Colin Cowherd and say this 
I'm sure that anyone who knows that they're going to make a media appearance and be asked about Aaron Rodgers probably wants to be in touch with Aaron Rodgers if they can be. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers kind of thinks about it from whatever beach he and Shailene Woodley are sitting on at any given time and thinks to himself, you know, what would be fun today? Because he really does seem like the kind of guy who would enjoy reading a day's worth of clippings of what James Jones told Colin Cowherd that might or might not have any sort of realism to it. Wow, sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good addition, Jared. I like that addition. Uh, Julio Jones will wear number two with the Titans. He did not try to steal number 11 from A.J. Brown. Only reason I bring that up is to just get Adam Candy's take on what Julio Jones is going to do for the Tennessee Titans. Corey Davis had a pretty good season for the Titans last year in his free agent year. The season that everyone who loved Corey Davis coming out of college thought was possible, and now he signed with the Jets and left a hole in Tennessee where A.J. Brown recruited Julio Jones into. Um, is Julio Jones going to be a significant upgrade over what Corey Davis did last year? don't really think so. Uh, should Tennessee have traded a two and some other spare change to take a shot with Julio Jones? I mean, sure, why not? Can he rush the passer? Probably not. That seemed to be a bigger problem in Tennessee than having a second receiver. Now, look, Julio Jones in yards per route run, one of our favorite pro football focus stats, has been in the top five every year he's been in the league. The problem is that Julio Jones is on the wrong side of 30 for a wide receiver not named Jerry Rice and played nine games last year. So if he's on the field for 17 games this year, oh, yeah. I love what it does for the Tennessee Titans. We're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill for MVP. But do I think he's going to be on the field for 17 games? What would give me that impression? He has played the full complement of games four times in the last nine years. So Julio Jones can wear whatever number he wants. Um, by the way, very clever to take his number 11, go one plus one equals two and end up with two. Uh, on that, um, it's not going to make a difference in terms of the Tennessee Titans and their ability to win the Super Bowl. I'm just excited to see a Titans playoff game where Derrick Henry has 41 carries and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown combined for six catches and 35 yards. I mean, it, it's a sequel. It's called A Quiet Place 2. <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. The United States plays Costa Rica at 4 p.m. today, a random friendly after they won the Nations League. Did you watch the Nations League final, Adam? You know the answer to that already. Continue. It should have been yes. It was the greatest U.S.-Mexico game ever. Maybe not ever, but at least in a long time. Come on. There were bottles being thrown at people. There were two penalties in extra time. Okay, but... Did anyone have a bag of urine thrown at them? I mean, it's possible. There was a lot of stuff being thrown. No, but we had we have proof of previous U.S.-Mexico yes. games in which there, there were chants for Osama bin Laden, pro-Osama bin Laden, <laughs> and bags of urine being thrown at players. So the greatest? I'm not so sure about that, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Listen, this wasn't in Mexico, so it had to be toned down a little bit. It was pro yeah, well, yeah, you know, who's going to chant against him? We kind of all, we thought everybody agreed on that one. Come on. Nope, all right. Are nope. you going <laughs> to watch tonight, Adam? Four o'clock. Tune in. I have plans that I haven't made yet, but that will definitely be at four o'clock. Great question. Thank you. 
Chris Davis was designated for assignment by the Texas Rangers. If you remember, Chris Davis was traded in the offseason, trade between the Oakland A's and the Texas Rangers. Chris Davis for Elvis Andres. Davis, batting average is 157 this year. His OPS is 596. Elvis Andres is hitting 214 with an OPS of 531. Is this the worst trade that's ever been made for both teams by like players people have actually heard of before? Ooh, that's a good one, man. The first one that just came to mind for me was Jesus Montero for Michael Pineda uh, back in the day because that flamed out horribly for both teams. But yeah, I mean, you could make a pretty good case for Chris Davis and Elvis Andrus being a terrible trade. Here's the problem. Um, they were both washed before the trade, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> not sure it really matters. Like, Chris Davis with a K is now hitting like Chris Davis with a C and Chris Mm. Davis with a K is kind of the poster boy for this whole spin rate problem because a power hitter for low average is exactly the guy that pitch tunneling and advances in the game have taken away. So not really surprised by that. So when are the Yankees going to grab Chris Davis? Well, Kind of in the vein of Kendrys Morales and Vernon Wells and Lyle Overbay and all of these other guys that they've managed to shoehorn into the roster five years that they were good. Uh, I have to assume they'll sign him by next week. That's a great, great question. You've had spectacular timing the last two weeks of coming on the day after Framber Valdez pitches for the Houston Astros. The Astros won seven to one yesterday. Framber Valdez seven and a third, one earned run, eight strikeouts, five hits. Um, his ERA is still under two. Granted, he's only made three starts this year after getting injured. But I asked you the same question last week, and you said it's going to take something happening to Garrett Cole. How confident are you feeling about your Framber Valdez for Cy Young ticket now? Uh, confident? No, I am not feeling confident whatsoever. Give me some it's confidence, a, damn it. It's a hundred to one ticket. The fact that he's alive and pitching well is enough for me to feel good about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, Garrett Cole could get taken over, you know, on the uh, t- uh, pulled over on the side of the road by Joe West in an old Dukes of Hazard car and hauled off to Major League Baseball headquarters tomorrow. So who knows? That could be the end of Garrett Cole. My 100-to-1 ticket is live at that point on Framber. Genuine question for somebody that has a bet on a Cy Young uh, winner here. How do you think the whole foreign substances thing is going to impact the Cy Young award? Not from, like, pitchers suddenly falling off and not pitching as well. But just like, let's say Garrett Colt has a phenomenal season. His ERA is under three the whole year, but he gets suspended for 10 games at some point for using a foreign substance. Like, is somebody not going to win the Cy Young because of that? I'm going to make you a comparison that involves Mike Trout and the MVP award. So how many would you say of the last 10 years could Mike Trout have won the MVP? He's been healthy in all of them, right? Uh, let's just take uh, in any healthy year. Yes. He should have won the most valuable player, but there's nothing that baseball writers protect with more sanctimony than their votes. And so when it comes down to it, any pitcher who gets suspended is going to be sacrificed by the high priests of the baseball writers association (laughs) of America in service of protecting the game. So, yes, you will think that the the winner of the Cy Young is going to be a guy with like a 5-2-3 ERA who only pitched 17 times, but he was the one guy that didn't get caught this year, so he wins the Cy Young. But he's the one guy who every time he goes out to pitch, every single inning, he does jazz hands up to the press box to show (laughs) that he doesn't have anything on his fingers and impresses all the writers. 
one other thing on the Astros game. So, like, it's a new stat that I've seen this year. Well, I think I've seen it before, but this year in particular that I absolutely love. Carlos Correa hit a home run last night that went 310 feet because he hit it right on the foul pole meets the wall of the green monster. But the stat that I love is when broadcast will show you this would have been a home run in X amount of ballparks across Major League Baseball. Obviously, that's a home run in only one single ballpark in Major League Baseball. But I love that stat so much. So you can either get mad or not about, well, the damn ballpark caused that to be a home run. Yes, and it's it's a shame that the team that plays there three times a year got one instead of the team that plays there <laughs> 81 times a year. Listen, they'll hit one eventually, but I just, I, I, it's a phenomenal stat because in Houston, the Crawford boxes, they've got a lot that are like, this is only out in two ballparks. And yeah, you can get mad about it as a pitcher, but it's a great stat. I, I love, I want to know who came up with the idea. It was somebody that was angry, somebody that was very angry about like a Fenway Park home run or a Crawford boxes or even a Yankee Stadium home run. I was like, damn it, that wasn't a home run anywhere else. The ballpark screwed me, came up with that stat, and I can't get enough of it. All right. Yeah, well, that. That's right center in Yankee Stadium. And by the way, I think Adam Hill came up with this stat. It sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we're going to get into college football playoff expansion. But now is your chance to win a couple of tickets to go see British Rock Royalty at Las Vegas Ballpark on June 26th. They'll be performing songs from The Who, Pink Floyd, David Bowie, Queen, and Led Zeppelin. The show will feature state-of-the-art lighting, video, and laser shows, followed by a fireworks display. 702 702- 364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number six at 702-364-1100 if you want to go see British Rock Royalty at Las Vegas Ballpark. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. He's not a guy that I, I worry about particularly that much. He, he's a pro's pro. I know he knows how to take care of his body and, and get himself ready to play. So that that is not uh, much of a concern for, for us at all. I have literally no idea what that was. I told you right before we came on the air. Yeah, I had my headphones on. I can't hear you. Yeah, okay. It was Matt LaFleur talking about Aaron Rodgers being in game shape. He's going to take care of himself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's not showing up to anything. Okay, so college football expansion might happen. Uh, Could expand to 12 teams. There are going to be two college football playoff meetings over the summer, and the expectation is that they will make a recommendation as to whether or not college football should expand the playoff. Now, there have been a few stories on this. Yahoo reported that 12 teams is the preferred number, not eight, but going all the way up to 12 with this, what would be the first set of expansion from the original 14 college football playoff. Uh, so Adam, what what do you think the right number is for college football playoff? 64. <laughs> let's let's do what we do in basketball, 68. No, I, Oh, I, dude, I am here for play-in games. Thank you. Right? Right? I, I would sign up for some action play-in games on a Tuesday night. That'd be fantastic. I mean, then you can actually play the game and date in the same way they do for basketball. It's perfect. UCF so, still wouldn't get in. It's true. And they would still call themselves the public school national champion. It would be perfect. So I think that when we look at this from the perspective that was laid out in that Yahoo article that you mentioned, I think 12 actually makes a lot of sense because you need to do something that realistically is going to get the buy-in of the Power Five conferences. 
and expanding to eight, as the case is made there, is that the Power Five would be looking at only two at-large bids, most likely. And if you're the SEC and looking at that and saying, yeah, every year we have three or four of the best teams in the country, then you're not going to go for that. So it would give the Power Five guaranteed berths. It would create six at-large bids. And uh, it would likely create buys for the first four teams. So then you get the buy-in from the very top tier programs that you need to make this happen. Yeah, going to eight with auto bids would give you five power conference auto bids, one potentially one group of five auto bid. And then, like you said, just two at large spots, which is not great for, say, the SEC or, as this story mentioned, Notre Dame, because Notre Dame's not in a conference. Um, so I, I like the idea of 12 for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, it's giving you, like, the top four teams are still getting the reward because they now get a buy where the other eight teams have to go and play. It also gives the conference championships of the power conferences a massive meaning. Because if you get to your conference championship game, you can be, you know, eight and four or whatever. You didn't have to have an amazing season, but it puts an importance on playing well in your conference season and getting that conference championship game. You can play your way in with an automatic bid. And then obviously, maybe the most important part of this is that it gives a group of five team an actual chance that if Boise State or Cincinnati or UCF goes undefeated, their season doesn't just end with some bowl game against a dejected team that didn't get into the college football playoff from the Big Ten. They get an actual chance to prove it, an actual chance to win a national championship by, you know, they got to win a few games against some really good teams. They probably won't do it, but they get that opportunity. Their season doesn't end with them thinking, well, what if we got the chance? Their season ends with either they won the championship or somebody beat them and they don't have to wander around saying, oh, what if we got the chance? So that, to me... 12 makes so much sense. I think it's it's probably the perfect number right now for college football. Like, I think it's better than eight. I don't think 16 is necessary. So, like, I'm all on board with 12 being the perfect number. Yeah, I, I hadn't even really thought through the idea of the conference championship games, but that essentially becomes another week at the yeah. college football playoff, right? And so that also, I mean, play it all the way back. Then it's going to put more importance on conference games throughout the year, weeks that you might otherwise see certain teams, resting players, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, so it says here in the article that the first step will come in Chicago on July 17th and 18th when the four-member working group um, reports its findings to the committee. And so that group that will have the findings reported, now this is a group that makes sense mostly. Uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, oh, Mountain West Commissioner yeah, Craig Thompson. Let's go. The Mountain West. Get him in. So here's what's going to happen. If we ever have another shortened season, Boise State's going to be ranked like number seven. And they're going to have missed a game at Wyoming that they have to go play in a snowstorm on December 1st. There's going to be 70 mile an hour wind like there always is in Laramie. Boise State's going to lose nine to six. And we're going to lose out on getting a CFP berth for Boise State because Craig Thompson wanted to satisfy CBS Sports Network. You forgot the most important part. It'll be at 7 a.m. <laughs> it absolutely will be at 7 a.m. But he's going to look so good in the group picture. <laughs> oh, I'm mean, look, the hair is the hair. Like, the you know, the hair is up there. The hair is rare. The other part about the college football playoff that I find fascinating is we have had 
basically some distinct tiers in college football, right? Tier one for the past five years has been Clemson and Alabama. And tier two has been like Ohio State and Oklahoma and LSU. And there's usually a pretty big gap between tiers one and two. And then there's a massive gap usually between tiers two and three, or at least three changes from a year to year basis. I don't even think expanding the college football playoff really is going to make a big difference on who wins the college football national championship. But I don't think it matters at the end of the day, because I think what you're trying to do in college football is create more excitement. And for, you know, A, we talked about the group of five, obviously. You have a chance to win the national title if you go undefeated now. Obviously, that is very helpful for group of five teams and excitement. But also, it creates more excitement for a team that, you know, if say Alabama and LSU, if they both have really good seasons... The way it's set up now, it's it's hard for one of the for both of those teams to get in most years because they're in the same division. One of them can't even play in the SEC title game because they're in the same division. Having six at large spots, that means you can have a great season, finish sixth overall, but oh crap, Alabama was better than you. You still get the excitement of playing in the college football playoff. I think even if we still have Alabama Clemson dominating the championship game of this most years, I still think it's good because it creates way more excitement in the sport. Oh, now I get it. Okay, this is all your plan to try to get an, an at-large berth for Ole Miss. Oh, they have no chance. They will beat Alabama or LSU, but they will also lose to Vanderbilt in the same year. <laughs> they have no chance. No, no. Ole Miss has zero chance. They cannot do any better than 9-3. and three. They're not allowed to do better than 9-3. and three. And they'll go to one of the many archaic bowls that nobody cares about at this point. I mean, the only reason we have the bowl system anymore is to satisfy television, it's right? Like, like TV needs an entire month <laughs> of December 17th games being played somewhere for potatoes or pinatas or whatever happens to be sponsoring it at any given time. Like, there's no reason to have the bowl system anymore. But, of course, we're never going to have a true March Madness-style playoff for college football because Alabama would never risk going to have to you know, play the UMBCs of the football world and potentially lose a game, nor is TV ever going to lose the potential of Alabama getting there by losing a first-round game. So an idea of a 12-team playoff in which you get reasonably representative teams, at least a team that you're going to throw out there on the field with Alabama, and you can make yourself a slightly delusional case as to what could happen for that team to win. Like you're going to be able to do that in a 12 team playoff. Yeah. Like, yes, you could see whoever ultimately is like the eighth or ninth best team in the country. They could beat Alabama. They, they won't most of the time, but they could. And that's, that's what we love about sports. Isn't it? Like you, you watch the Knicks and it was like, Oh, the Knicks could win this series against the Hawks. They lost in five. They absolutely did. But you know what? Yeah, to your point, did. I was so excited by seeing the Knicks in the playoffs, that was my expanded CFP. Right, like yes. just to have them there, that was that was my trip to a bowl game. Like that was me signing up for a December twenty seventh, you know, bowl game somewhere at uh, Chase Field in Arizona when my team gets to play the number five team out of the Big Twelve, and we go down <laughs> there and just get drunk in Phoenix for two days and celebrate the fact that we don't suck anymore. That was the Knicks against the Hawks. I didn't even care that they lost in five. That we don't suck anymore. Oh, the New York Knicks. What a great team. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Maybe. All right, Jared, what are, what are we doing here? We probably need to make this decision with Ed, but um, Jason didn't answer again. He didn't answer last week when we tried he to call him. He didn't answer the, the week I, before. And I texted him yesterday saying that you could. 
for 8.30 and he didn't answer. He still didn't answer. So maybe we need to wait for Ed to be here to figure out what we're going to do. But what are we doing with Jason? I, this is, I mean, I, he's a good guest in the sense that he tells us stories about Aaron Rodgers, like, staring him down, but there's a point where this is the diminishing returns. Yeah. So, I have a qu- hold on. I have a question. Which one of you pissed him off? I don't know. Like, like, one of you clearly pissed him off, and I feel like I feel like there needs to be a group text here sent among Jason, Jared, Tyler, and Ed that's just sort of a group apology. That's like, Jason, we know one of us did something. We know it that was probably Jared. It was likely Jared. Um, so what do we need to do to get you to come back? Okay. I haven't texted him since, uh, what, what date was this? March 22nd. So I've, I, I don't think it could be me cause he's been on since March 22nd. I texted him yesterday at one thirty-two, asking if he was good. And he said, yup, yup. All in with two exclamation points. So oh, that, well, listen, Never trust anybody who texts with less than three exclamation points. <laughs> I, like I have never once agreed to do something with less than three exclamation points. It's it, it conveys enthusiasm. And you, yeah, and you are known for your enthusiasm. Oh my God, yes, I, I, it says it right in the Twitter bio. I, as I was told during the Cofield and Company roast, I have the charisma of a fence post. So yes, <laughs> I I absolutely am known for my over the top enthusiasm. All right, so Jason Fitz is not going to be joining us, but I'll keep my eye on and see if he calls us back. Yeah, but there is still more uh, college football conversations to be had because there have been a lot of uh, rumors over the last about month or so about the AAC, the American, expanding in college football. Um, Most of it has come from, say, message board spots. Hold on, hold on. Very important. We Jared just picked up the phone. Let's see how this goes. Wait a second. Apologize, Jared. Do it now. Hold on. Hold on. He's he's saying all right. I think we might have Jason here. Is this Jason? It is. Let's go. I'm so sorry. I am late. He missed I his new open. Hang out. Where have you been, Jason? Okay, so you know we're just we're, we're friends, right? We're going to be honest. I don't here. know. We're Where have friends. you been? But I mean. So, you know, I was supposed to come on with you guys Friday, and I'm just, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm always going to be 100% real with you. Thursday was my birthday, and I didn't <laughs> think I was going to go as hard Thursday night as I did. And, you know, it, it, it's early, and I may or may not have awoken, you know, around noonish on Friday realizing that I felt like that. So I'm not going to lie. I went too hard on my birthday on Thursday night, and it, it, I'm not proud of it. So you were saving up all your drinking from the draft, and you were just like, it's my birthday, let loose. You know, what What happens when you go particularly clean is that it doesn't take near as much to really make things get weird. And that's, you know, that's a valuable life lesson that now I'm in my 40s. You think I would have learned a long time ago, but I, I didn't realize my tolerance had adapted the way it had. And I mean, oof, it was what I, from what I remember, it was a pretty good birthday, though. It was some good times. So the lesson is never go clean. Got it. A hundred percent. Like, also, I, I don't want to give you guys breaking news you can only get here, but, like, salad with dressing on it is better than salad dry. Like, cake is better than grilled chicken, and anything is better than asparagus. But I still eat all that stuff. Like, I'm back on track. I, I'm, I'm a couple days back on track. I, I went went a little off for, like, a, a, almost a week, and so now I'm just I'm, I'm trying to detox myself and get back to, you know, somebody that 
is reliable. I, I it, whew, it was rough for a few days. All right. All right. We're, we're glad you're here, even if it's late. We're glad you're here. I do. <laughs> I am curious, Jason. What are your thoughts on college football playoff expansion? 12 is the reported number that they could be going to. Like, what do you make of that number? Is that the right number that college football should expand to? Yeah, I think if you're going to do expansion, then get it right the first time so that we're not having this conversation immediately again. So I have no problem with 12. 12 makes a lot of sense. It's not going to give us a lot of great matchups. I will say this. I text three different people that I think cover this enough to be really in the know, and all three of them last night said nothing is imminent. And I think that's a message people need to hear. Even if they come together and they propose expansion, it's still going to be a couple of years away from happening. So, you know, and is it going to end the the one beast that college football has right now? The argument is going to be that Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State are going to be playoff teams every year. So if you suddenly put Alabama up against Coastal Carolina last year, is that going to really have a difference maker in the playoff? Probably not. The one thing that I think it could do, though, for 12 is really expand recruiting. Because right now, from a recruiting standpoint, you can, t- you can look at most kids and say, hey, you want to guarantee that you're going to be seen at the highest possible level? Then you want to come to one of these three schools. For the rest of the conferences, sometimes you get let- left out. Now you can say, hey, we're the best team in the Pac-12 every single year. And that means you're going to have a playoff shot, which means you're going to get film against Alabama or Clemson in the playoffs. So I think it does help the recruiting sales pitch, which in long term could help the balance of college football. But short term, I don't think there's a big change coming, and I don't think it will result in a big change. So I think you kind of touch on it there when you say that it'll change the you know the actual nature of the game as opposed to anything else and that some of these programs will be able to get some other kids they might not. When it comes to the matchups on the field, I know Coastal Carolina can't beat Alabama. I know they probably can't hang with them for three quarters, but that doesn't stop the fact that I want to see the game. Right? I still would like to see it happen and in the end, we're putting out an entertainment product here as much as the NCAA doesn't want to agree with us on that. So, I mean, is it anything <laughs> that gives us more of these matchups good? Well, in the beginning, yes. Like everything, we love it at first and say, hey, yeah, I want to see this. I want to see what Zach Wilson looks like from BYU doing that against one of these juggernauts, right? But what do we automatically do to Notre Dame? Like Notre Dame's the best example of a team that every time they're in the playoffs, it doesn't seem to end well. And then we have the conversation about how the committee – should value Notre Dame in the future. What are we going to do when we're four or five years in and the 1v12 is always just an absolute bludgeoning, you know, and, and it takes the first two rounds are unwatchable because they're not competitive. Like in the beginning, we love the idea of David versus Goliath, and maybe the men's tournament and the, and the basketball side is the example of we'll still watch a, you know, a 15-2 knowing that it's rare to get a, a 15-2 upset. We'll still watch those games. That maybe – that's the great hope here. Doesn't at the end of the day, though, don't you like it's the one sport where you can go undefeated and not actually have a chance to win a national championship if you play in the Mountain West or the American or, or if you're BYU or whatever. Like, isn't that important at the end of the day, even if it ends with Boise State losing by 30 to Clemson? Isn't it important that Boise State has the chance, though? Yeah, you're a thousand percent right. Look, it, it's broken right now. And there are very few sports that you can wake up and say, hey, most teams know they have zero shot at a national title, and, and no matter what they do throughout the course of their season. That's, that's a rarity in sports, and that's a truth in college football. I mean, look at just the, the way that everybody was fighting, myself included, for Cincinnati last year. I mean, you just want to see these guys get a chance. They're out there busting their butt. Like, so, yeah, if that's 
if that's the goal, then I think it's, it's a great one. And I have no problem with the expansion also from the other side of what it's going to do, I would think, for bowl games. Like, bowl games have become absolutely meaningless, right? And they're just – they're tough to watch also. So if these extra playoff games actually replace a bunch of the bowl games, I think that's a win for everybody. Like, who's, who really cares uh, from the Nashvilleian in me? Like, who cares about the Music City Bowl every year? But if the Music City Bowl every year is a first-round playoff game – that becomes a much more intriguing bowl matchup, right? So I think there could be some benefit to that, along with the fact that, like you said, it at least gives the great hope to the Cincinnati's of the world, hey, go have a great season, and you'll have a shot to represent yourself. I just think a lot of fan bases will stop saying, we want Bama after they get Bama. <laughs> Yo, I'm – Absolutely, they will, and and you know, I'm sure Nick Saban signing a contract extension would lick his chops at the uh, at the idea of saying, "Oh yeah, you want Bama? No problem. I have a hard enough time finding bulletin board material." So, yeah, when we talk about the bull system as well, we had that conversation earlier in the show to say it's archaic. It's a relic of of a time that doesn't exist anymore, and unless you're betting on it or putting it on television. There's really no reason to have it. So uh, what do you think realistically beyond what we're talking about right now can be done to, I don't know, add some juice to the bowl system or, or frankly, to modernize it in some way? Well, people aren't going to like the answer, but the only thing that's going to really help add juice to the bowl system is the same thing that we found in all-star games in pro sports. You're going to have to offer some sort of a cash prize to the winner. And I know uh, everybody coils back and says, oh, my God, you can't pay college kids. Well, you got to look at what, what's real for a lot of these kids. We're in a spot now where you've got high school kids, albeit not many, but you've got high school kids that are going to start foregoing their senior year just because they're trying to keep their bodies ready for the NFL. So what's the incentive to play in a bowl game that's, you know, frankly, at Allegiant Stadium? If that Allegiant Stadium bowl game is not part of the playoff system, your team has been eliminated from any real contention. And what you end up with for that particular bowl game in this fake example is, you know, let's say the, the third best team in the Mountain West taking on the third best team in, you know, whatever, the Big 12, however you want to make that. Like, uh, at some point, there's not a lot of appeal to the kids to play for that. So, you know, for the kids that want to do it, heck yeah, let them go do it. But if you really want to make these things more exciting and you want to make some sort of incentive that, that forces kids to want to play, you offer them cash if they win the game. And I, 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 again, I know people will freak out, but to me, that's the only answer for small bowls that aren't included in the playoff. Jason, you spend about half your time in Nashville. What do you think of the Julio Jones trade? Uh, it's a great trade. I mean, uh, frankly, I would have had no problem with the Raiders doing it. And I love, uh, I, I find it laughable how many of my peers and how many people that are on social media that are fans suddenly talk about funny money, which is what NFL contracts are like it's a detriment, and let's face it, I mean, the Saints were supposed to be in so much cap trouble that it was going to absolutely demoralize their franchise for a generation, and instead they found their way out of it year in and year out, right? So, you know, the, the, the cap responsibility of it is already a joke. I don't know why people even care how millionaires and billionaires spend their money. But then the other part of it is the value that suddenly we as media and fans give to second-round draft picks is just dumb. Like, yes, you can get a wide receiver. I think wide receivers being devalued like the running back. And over the course of the years, the next several years, we're going to see more and more second, third, fourth round picks that are wide receivers that come in and have great impact. But you can't just presume your team is going to draft Julio Jones with the second round. So the Titans are in a window. They're in a window right now where they uh, are competitive, I think, to be a Super Bowl caliber team. And they just added an amazing 
number two wide receiver on that team. Like, think about that. Julio Jones is going to be their number two on a team that over the last two years has been one of the league leaders in explosive plays. Like, this Titans offense just got that much better. And frankly, they're doing what every single one of us should want for our favorite team. Like, you're in your window. Go get that Super Bowl. Go do whatever you have to do right now to make yourself as competitive as possible because you never know when that window is going to end. And certainly when it does end, it is a, a gutting feeling to the franchise. So go try and get a Super Bowl to make it better. All right, Jason, you don't have any more birthdays, do you? No, no, no. But, you know, I, I don't know. This whole binge thing might become part of my – no, I shouldn't even joke. People are going to be bad. No, I, I'm back on the wagon. You know, I'm back to, I'm back to asparagus, green peppers, and, you know, egg whites. It's just such a joy. But, hey, I'm getting skinny. All right. We'll talk to you next week a little skinnier. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Thanks, Jason. Have a great week. He is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Uh, what, all right, Jared, what do we what do, what do we do with that now? He called us back. He was yeah. late, but he yeah. showed up. Yeah, he was. That was good. So we we all forgiven. I mean, I don't see why not. All right, you seem too easy, to, I, too eager to forgive, but okay. Well, it's part I, of my personality. Well, that's that's the thing here. Jared is excited because he can now cross one more person of the li- off the list of people who are not mad at him. <laughs> it's a long list, man. Well, yeah, I think you should have a list of people not mad at you. Be a lot shorter, easier to keep track of. Yeah, but I'm, I would be constantly moving people off of that list onto the other list, and so like how I, it'd be, it's easier just to keep track of all the hundreds of people that are mad at me, so that I can beg for their forgiveness. Okay, you spend a lot of time begging, don't you? I'm not a proud man. All right, <laughs> coming up next. Our Sharp is rolling. He's almost, almost, not really, to a free jersey. It's time to find the Sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Jay has gotten three in a row. He needs to get to nine to win our mystery jersey. Once he gets to five, we'll let everybody know what that mystery jersey is. All right, Jay, where would you like to go for today's pick? All right, today we're going to go with the big blue. We're going to take the L.A. Dodgers money line. All right, the Dodgers are playing the Pirates today. Pretty safe pick, but we got you in as the Dodgers simply to win today and to get to number four. Thanks, Jay. Good luck. All right, thank you. See you later. All right, so. Again, he needs to win two more just to find out what the jersey is, mystery jersey, and needs to get to nine to actually win the mystery jersey. So he's got the Dodgers. Uh, hopefully he loses. By the way, did either of you see yesterday uh, Cabrian Hayes for the Pirates hit a home run and didn't, nope. s- didn't step yep. on first base, so it wasn't a home run anymore? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adam, you said that like Cabrian Hayes is on a fantasy team or you bet on the Pirates or something like that. Well, no, I did at one point have Cabrian Hayes as a fantasy prospect, but what I'm laughing the most about is that the son of a Major League Baseball player who probably grew up running the bases as the most fun thing any child of a Major Leaguer can do, right? Missed the base. Like, hit a home run and missed the base. He grew up inside Major League stadiums. Charlie Hayes is his dad, former third baseman for the Yankees, and he missed the base. It's just... it's. Chef's kiss. What is with like major leaguers right now and missing first base? Who else missed first base? 
the guy who tried to run down Javi Baez. Well, that was also the Pirates. Um, okay, what's with the Pirates and not wanting to go to true. first base? Yeah, they're allergic to first base because if he had just gone and stepped on first base at any point in time, it would have been an out. Um, the point here, Jared, is that the Pirates are doing an excellent job of tanking. Even when they do things well, even when they've got a home run, they're saying, no, nah, no, nah, we don't want the run. We're not going to step on first. I'm going to show you I can hit the home run, but we're not actually going to benefit from the run. Spectacular tanking. Jets level tanking. Yeah, it's great. It's phenomenal. So yeah, don't step on first base if you're trying to lose games. I'm disappointed the Astros didn't do that when they were tanking. Guys hit a home run. Yeah, don't step on first. We see the home run. We'll count it our own stats over here. But no, no, you don't step on first. We don't need that run. We don't need to win the game. It'd be much better that way. Um, All right. Adam's here. Adam is a Knicks fan. Earlier in the show, I asked about Paul George being like the worst second star. Is it actually Chris Dapps Porzingis? Oh, God, this hurts me so much. Um, oh, my sweet Chris Dapps. Uh <laughs> Things did not go well in Dallas this year. Um, he's hurt, so we have to start there. Uh, Chris Dapps Porzingis battled injuries again Just uh, like Anthony all year Davis. long. Just like Anthony Davis. Um, and I, I mean, look, I, full disclosure, I took great advantage of the fact that Chris Dapps Porzingis was clearly <laughs> hurt and bet against him getting a certain amount of rebounds. I bet the under on his rebounds five consecutive games and won five consecutive times because he clearly had no interest in going inside because he can't jump. Um, So (laughs) right now, if you're Luka Doncic, though, you have to be going to Mark Cuban and saying, yo, um, this ain't getting done with KP and Tim Hardaway Jr. as my Robins to my Batman. The problem for the Mavericks is like how tradable is Chris Stapps Porzingis? Because what is he? What is he like? Thirty million the next couple of seasons, I think it is. Like it, it see, it'd be nice for the Mavericks that they could trade him away and find a different number two. But I don't know that anybody's taking Chris Stapps Porzingis on that contract. You're probably going to have to attach a draft pick, and you're probably also going to have to take back some bad money to make it work, right? You're probably going to have to be looking for guys on expiring contracts to take back, and maybe there's a year where you essentially have to eat it. I think in order to get rid of two years of Kristaps Porzingis, you might have to have one mediocre year, and I'm not sure you can really afford that uh, if you're the Mavericks, unless you really think you're you're building something for the super long term with Luka. Um, and the only reason I question that is, do you have the guarantee that Lucas taking the Supermax and staying? And if you do, then I think, yeah, maybe you do go out there and take a year of pain, eat some bad contracts to get rid of Chris Porzingis and open up some caps, try to sign someone, because I think anyone in the league would want to play with Luca. Do they want to play in Dallas, though? Ed and I talked about this earlier in the week. Like, is that somewhere people would go to play with Luca if it's Dallas? We're not talking about Oklahoma City. Not talking about Sacramento. Dallas is a big city. It's got things <laughs> and people. <laughs> they need the Mecca. That's been so important in recruiting free agents. Get the Mecca and they'll be fine, right? The Knicks made the playoffs. How's Penn Station doing? 